Chapter 6. The MQ Plan The MQ Plan uses the influence pyramid as a guide. Each tier has its actions that lead to positive results and influence. But don't forget that along the way, you're generating sales too. Influence has a much greater role than achieving a particular position in the Gartner Magic Quadrant. Addressable Market You are already selling to your addressable market, of course, but how do you create influence? There are three important categories of activity. Customer Relations As you gain customers, enroll them in a community. This can take many forms. You need to build that sense of belonging, being part of something. Leverage the natural human tendency to congregate in like-minded groups with similar experiences. They all have you in common. Give them access to a portal. Let them contribute comments, product improvement suggestions, even complaints. Support the commenters, respond to the suggestions, and address the complaints. Identify the most prolific contributors to your community. Turn them into advocates. Do they also blog? Follow their blogs and comment when it's warranted. Yes, you're preaching to the choir, but what preacher doesn't? Next, create a customer council made up of a representative slice of your customer base. Invite them to headquarters for a day-long meeting where you introduce them to your executives. Let them hear from the CEO on the company vision and the CTO on new product plans. Give them visibility into your organization. They get the benefit of mixing with their counterparts at different companies. Make sure that your people are mixing with them too so that you can pick up on otherwise unvoiced problems and address those problems by acknowledging them and presenting a plan to overcome them. Brand Building Many tech firms ignore brand marketing. All of their marketing focus is on lead generation and channel marketing, but there is no greater payoff than creating name recognition and no greater missed opportunity than having zero name recognition. When I was sucked out of my nascent efforts to become an independent analyst by the CEO of Fortinet to become their chief marketing officer, the number one problem they suffered was name recognition. Here was a company with 20,000 customers worldwide, 900 employees, and revenue over 120 million that had no name recognition. The sales team even had a name for the issue. They called it the Forta Who problem. Every single sales call by any one of the 150 salespeople at Fortinet started with an introduction where they had to answer the question, Who is Fortinet? That is the most expensive and wasteful brand awareness plan you can have. Like all marketing efforts, you must measure brand awareness first to understand where you sit and be able to demonstrate success from any investment you make to improve name recognition. Hire a market research firm to survey a representative segment of the base of the pyramid. How many can identify your company name and what you do? Then gear up your marketing, PR, and executives to increase that brand awareness. This is not a book on marketing, but you know what to do to get your name out there. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, the goal is to change that first response when a sales rep cold calls a prospect from who to, oh yes, I've heard of you. Channel Development Working with the channel is the third way to develop influence in the lower tier. Channel salespeople talk to each other, your competitors, and sometimes even your potential customers. You can tell that I am somewhat jaded when it comes to the channel, especially in the United States. Frankly, the channel is greedy and lazy. 
They want the vendor to supply not just leads, but close deals, where their only task is to get the paperwork, make sure the product ships, and collect the money. They would much rather hire one person more for the back office to process paperwork than another salesperson to specialize in your product. That's okay, though. You just have to realize that adding resellers and distributors does not magically produce more revenue. Play into their desires. Give them great margins. You have to to break them away from the entrenched incumbent in your space. Make their job easy. Give them done deals. Give them a piece of the support contract, even though they won't ever talk to the customer again. I told you I was jaded. If you help them succeed, they will talk about you in a positive way. That's influence. Social networks. You have the ball rolling on getting the base of the pyramid to know who you are. Now start working social networks to ensure that there is a constant stream of activity around what you do. You never want an analyst to search Twitter for mentions of your company and find the latest tweet dated six months ago. If no one is talking about your company, you must be dead, right? Here is some guidance for now. There are a lot of details in how to leverage Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook in the chapter on social networks. Twitter. Get a corporate account and assign it to one or more people, probably in your marketing department. This is the Twitter ID that tweets company and industry news. It also retweets the analysts that you're targeting. Then train your CEO and CTO how to use Twitter. Study the CEO of Zappos' use of Twitter for a template of how to do it right. After that, encourage, maybe even require, all company employees to have Twitter accounts. Give them a little training on how to use Twitter to contribute to the success of the company. This means that they'll be retweeting the corporate ID and CEO's tweets along with all of their normal tweets about their favorite sports teams and what they had for breakfast. Of course, they should be admonished not to tweet about the bad day at the office. LinkedIn LinkedIn was primarily created as a networking tool and is often viewed as a danger because it is a powerful way to lose employees due to the heavy recruiting activity. But keep in mind that most journalists, customers, and yes, even analysts are on LinkedIn already. The analysts that have discovered LinkedIn stop by to check up on your company. They can see the number of employees that are on LinkedIn. They can search for key contacts. They can even view reports that summarize which companies you hire from and where your employees go when they leave. Often they can identify the up-and-comers by seeing the exodus from a legacy vendor to a new vendor. Encourage your key execs and marketing people to post positive updates, new mentions, and industry developments to their LinkedIn feeds. It works a lot like Facebook, but thankfully, most updates are business-related, not personal. I'm not a fan of hooking Twitter accounts to LinkedIn. The updates get too chatty. Be selective in which tweets you want to repost to LinkedIn. Facebook. Even after its IPO, Facebook is struggling as a business tool. Because it was born as a way to keep in touch with friends and family, it's not built for business communication. You may want to look to Facebook ads, though. Facebook ads are interesting because you can target people who work at particular companies. During the setup process, you simply pick those companies. Unfortunately, many people do not identify themselves with their employer on Facebook. It's a personal tool to them. Go ahead and create branding ads and target them at your prospect list. The odds are slim that an analyst will see them, but at least you'll be targeting the base of the pyramid. 
you should also have a Facebook page. While analysts may not like it, your customers will. After that, every time you post to your page, they will see your updates in their news feeds. Wikipedia Not a social network, of course. Wikipedia is a crowd-sourced encyclopedia of all knowledge, or at least, that is what it strives to be. Lots more on Wikipedia in a later chapter, but for now, make sure you have a Wikipedia entry for your company. Populate your Wikipedia entry with facts about your company. Include a citation for every single statement you make. Bloggers and journalists. As you get higher up the pyramid, the more focused your activity gets. You begin to target particular bloggers, journalists, end-user influencers, and analysts. Most organizations are already set up to influence journalists. That is what your PR firm does. Luckily, many PR firms have jumped on the social networking bandwagon, so you may already have activities in place to influence this tier. In addition to the regular PR activity of press releases, follow-ups, story planting, press tours, etc., you should also identify key bloggers and journalists, often the same thing. Read every blog post by anyone on your target list. Use Google Alerts to pick up on any blogger that mentions you, your product, your executives, or your industry sector. Make insightful, useful comments to those posts. Tweet links to those posts and mention the blogger by name or Twitter ID. That way they will see your tweet. Engage with the top bloggers in your space. Get to know them. Brief them. Take them out to dinner or meet them for breakfast at the next conference they attend. Better yet, have your CEO do this. As I've said, analysts are info junkies. They spend most of their lives, when they're not on the phone, online. They have Google Alerts set up on the companies they track. If they read a post about your company or sector, they might see the comment you left. It's just one more touch point that helps you to keep at the top of the analyst's mind. A word about those comments. It's bad form to respond to a blog post with something like, um, Our company does this too. You can buy our products at... That's spam. Choose an ID that reflects your company name or brand and comment with substance. It's subtle, but it's the only way to break through the shields the influencer erects when he or she sees a comment from a marketer. Be real. Be a person. CIOs at the Global 10,000 The CIOs and IT directors at the Global 10,000 Enterprises are the primary influencers of analysts. They are the ones who provide the best data points for the analysts to squirrel away in their packed brains. When I learned that one of the major Wall Street banks had completed their three-year review of firewalls and selected Juniper over Checkpoint, I knew it was safe to move Juniper ahead of Checkpoint and Cisco in the leader's quadrant. Gartner does not do product evaluations. A VP of research has not had hands-on experience with products for at least three years, possibly 10 or 15. If a major organization makes a decision to switch vendors, that is the best possible affirmation. The point of targeting the global 10,000 is that these are most likely to have relationships with Gartner. These late adapters often fit into the what-does-Gartner-say group of IT decision-makers. They're making buying decisions that will cost millions of dollars and that they will have to live with for many years. They feel they need Gartner's blessing to make any move. Where does that leave you?
If you're placed low in the magic quadrant during the inquiry call, the analyst is going to ask questions of the CIO to determine if their needs match your strengths. If you're one of the few leaders, the call to the analyst might not even happen since the CIO has a document to point to, one that was probably used to start the evaluation process in the first place. Identify the IT executives that are already your customers who have a relationship with Gartner. All you have to do is ask. The sales team will play an important role in identifying these contacts. Invite that CIO or senior IT staffer to join your customer advisory board. CIOs go to a lot of conferences and meetings with their peers. You want to influence them to the point where they provide positive references to their counterpart at other companies and ultimately to the analyst. Of course, the best way to turn a CIO into a fan is to fulfill your end of the bargain when they purchase your product. Demonstrate your world-class support. Dedicate a sales engineer to that customer for the duration of the installation and beyond if needed. There's a story of a major Cisco customer in Chicago that was experiencing problems with a big install. The SE on the job took Friday afternoon off to head north fishing and was unreachable. The customer's network was down and the CIO was livid. He went all the way to the top at Cisco to demand satisfaction. The SE was fired and the head of the Chicago office was fired. A team of Cisco engineers was assigned to the project to provide 24-7 coverage until all the problems were resolved. Cisco earned a customer for life and the CIO became one of their biggest fans. The story may be anecdotal, but it illustrates a good point. Even if an install does not go smoothly, you can still win over the CIO by simply being responsive. Analysts. Most of this book is about influencing analysts. It is at this top tier that you should have the most focused effort. As a rule of thumb, I usually advise startups that they do not need a dedicated analyst relations AR person until they hit about $50 million in revenue. Sometimes a vendor will be in a hot space that is getting a lot of attention from the analyst community. In that case, it pays to assign the AR role, even if it is to one of the founders, at an earlier stage. But even without a dedicated AR person, you still need to brief the analysts to make them aware of your existence, and often they will provide valuable guidance. Your PR firm can take on this role. You should identify all of the analysts that cover your segment and schedule briefings with them at least once every six months. They should get your press releases. Please do not blast press releases to your entire CC list. Soon after starting IT Harvest, I received such a blast from an AR person at Wagoner Edstrom, the firm that handles all of Microsoft's PR and AR work. As so often happens, she put the list of recipients in the CC field, not the BCC, blind copy field. There were 3,000 analysts and journalists on her list. Make sure to personally address each email sent to influencers, or use an email tool that never screws up. If Gartner does not cover your space, CADCAM software, for instance, you can still use most of the guidance below and in the rest of this book. You'll just have to set your goals differently. You might target the Forrester Wave, the relevant IDC or Infonetics market spreadsheets, or just becoming the most frequently recommended vendor by a particular analyst. Think Walt Mossberg at Apple. Gartner Analysts the rest of this book 
puts the meat on the bone of an analyst-influenced strategy. Specific tactics are revealed for addressing all of the ways that you can interact with Gartner analysts. Inquiries, briefings, analyst days, SAS, industry conferences, Gartner summits, and Gartner's IT symposium. In addition, some guerrilla tactics are provided that might be game-changers in your journey up and to the right. Now you set your goal, the desired position of your company, and the relevant magic quadrants. You have a plan, the tasks, responsibilities, and resources. The next step is to implement the plan.